All right, I hit record. Are you sure? I'm so sure. Am you I did, sure? So, so you, you grabbed this before you got off the yacht, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, darling, I, I, I wish I wish you could see Pam's outfit today. She <laughs> we'll is resplendent. <laughs> she is resplendent in, in white slacks, a nice light white top, and then this blue blazer. It, it is from the uh, Thurston Howell uh, collection, no <laughs> doubt about it. So, uh, oh, love can, Yeah, yeah. Or can you say, oh, Gilligan? Oh, Gilligan, darling. There we go. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I wish you guys could see it. But well, the only, the only thing missing is like a little, a little sailor's cap. I got one in the, in the car. car. I'm not surprised. <laughs> not surprised. I, so have, I have for taking sailing lessons. I don't know if you know that. I, uh, you post pictures all the time. Yeah, yes, yeah. I do know that. Okay. Right, so, yes, yeah, so we're sure. sailing in here for... A new episode. We are. Of we Real a Talk new... with Chuck and Pam podcast. Podcast, huh? Podcast, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been quite a week so far, hasn't it? It has. And it's crazy that it feels like it's already Friday, but it's only Thursday. But we'll be posting this tonight, so you're going to get everything fresh off the mint here. We've got a lot to talk about, but let's start with newsy stuff. Changing it up a little you, bit. You, you start with that because it seems as though these are, are things you want to talk about. Well, and then there's an issue I want to talk about. Oh, so good, we'll, good. We'll, we'll go back and forth on well, this. Well, I just thought it would be interesting to take a look and see what's happening this week in the oh, news no, in, I, in movies. I agree. I agree. And it's kind of interesting how quickly Hollywood forgets and or forgives or maybe both. Um, we've got James Franco, four years ago. He hasn't been in the movies since 2018-ish, 2019, when he had a bunch of sexual misconduct ch charges against him, which he admitted to several of them. And he's going to be in Billy August's Me, You, which is a remake of a foreign flick called Tu Mio. So we'll see how that is. We've also got Will Smith, who has only taken a four-month reprieve, from Hollywood and Martin Lawrence, is, he's got his back and he's going to be back in Bad Boys 4. And Martin Lawrence apparently said, you know what, I went through some tough times myself, made a few bad decisions. And I believe it was Steve Harvey that had his back and believed mm -hmm. in him and gave him a second chance. So Martin Lawrence believes in second chances and he's giving Will Smith one. I get the impression hmm. from you bringing this up that yeah. you don't. Oh, believe I just, in second chances. Oh, you know what? No, I absolutely do. I think we all make mistakes and we all need second chances. The whole sexual misconduct part, I think he had quite a few chances, uh, Mr. Franco did. Um, not a huge uh, James Franco fan, but no, everyone deserves a second chance. And as long as we learn from our mistakes, then I think it's all um, forgivable. Mm -hmm. But it's just incredible to me how quickly. Hollywood forgets. And if you recall, right after the Oscars, you and I said, how long is it going to take for Hollywood to forget the slap? Well, but I think we're, we're looking at apples and oranges here. Okay? Oh, yes. Heavens, yes. Uh, you know, Franco, never a star of the caliber of Will Smith. I don't right. think anyone's clamoring for him to, you know, headline a film. And it's going to be a tentpole. And I read the description of this movie that he's going to be in, and it's a supporting role. Okay. Um, and he admitted that, you know, yes, he did some things that were wrong. And, and I do think that, you know, I think four years in the wilderness, you know, is enough. Uh, I found it odd that Kevin Spacey was going to start a film this week in oh. Italy. I didn't see and that. And things resurfaced again, and he dropped out of that. Okay. So I think that that's what's going to end up happening with people like Spacey. Um, Sullivan? David O'Sullivan? 
Dave, you mean Dave O. Russell? Oh, Russell, sorry. Oh, Russell. Uh, I don't know. His movie's coming out. Let's see yeah. how that works for him, and we'll talk about that once uh, Amsterdam comes out. But I'm just thinking, like, uh, Polanski. Roman Polanski goes to Europe, makes films now. Woody Allen, his stuff is in Europe now. You know, okay. the, the Europe, Europeans, they look at it in a completely different light, you know? And I didn't think that Dustin Hoffman had a career left either. Right. But my brother told me that apparently he's opening on Broadway this fall in our town. Really? Which stunned me. And not narrator? That, I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, that's the only role that he could play. Uh, so I'm assu- you know, I need to do more research. Not that I'm calling my brother a liar, but it, <laughs> it, 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 it seemed odd. Yeah. Um, you know, again, we all deserve second chances. I mean, we know Hemingway was a misogynist, but his books are still on the shelf. Sure. Uh, Fitzgerald was an awful alcoholic, but... We still read his books. You know, it's right. it, it's all part and parcel, I think, of what makes an artist um, and for good or bad. Yeah. Um, as far as Smith is concerned, yeah, there's no reason why he shouldn't be working. That's between him and Chris Rock and his wife. He didn't kill anyone. He didn't rape anyone. He had a bad day. And his bad day was projected to millions of people. Yeah. Yeah. And we do all have bad days. We all have bad. And you never heard a bad thing about him. No. Before that. No, and we met him you know? just the week before or two weeks before. A kind, gracious, giving, yeah. sweet. I mean, to total ch- strangers. And is that acting, perhaps? But he he holds it all together. And that's part of it, yeah. part of what he does. Yeah. You know, yeah, had we heard other things about him before? Never. No. Not one word. But no, one. you got to give him a pass on this yeah. one. And I think we talked a little bit about this movie that he had completed for Apple. Right. Uh, and I'm still waiting to see what's going to happen with that because I know they were gearing up for an end of the year release, a big Oscar push. Right. That's going to be real interesting whether they hold on to it or what. I mean, yeah. I know Apple's got deep pockets, but a $100 million movie, I don't think you just leave that, leave that sitting around. I don't think so either. We'll have to wait and see on that. So we'd love to hear what you think. Second chances, yes or no? And are there lines to be drawn? I think there are lines to be drawn. There are. There are. Okay. There are. But in these two instances, fine. And what was uh, the issue that you wanted to bring up? I finally... <clears throat> Stumbled upon a phrase that I've been looking for. Okay. The phrase, because I never knew, something that's bothered me, and I've expressed this to you, but I never realized what the official phrase was, and it's called color conscious casting. Have you heard this? I have. And it, to me, is incredibly ironic, because color conscious casting suggests to me that you are conscious to get everything correct as far as the roles that are going to be played in your production by the historically proper actors and actresses. This, though, color-conscious casting refers to, uh, like, Persuasion, which is coming out tomorrow on Netflix. We have African-American actors and actresses playing roles that were obviously played by white people and were historically white. Uh, especially in Jane Austen's time and era, uh, you know, and this is something that's that was that other one, that list one that we refused to watch. Malcolm's list. Mal- Mr. Malcolm's yeah. list did that as well. Uh, so it's called color conscious casting. Just to, so if if you ever okay. need to use that, okay, in a phrase. There we go. Mm-hmm. All right, now we've we've got that definition, and mm-hmm. uh, I think we probably shouldn't explore that any further. What do you think? <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, I, th- I... I think it's hypocritical. I think it's hypocritical because this is the same generation of actors that insists on gay people playing gay roles. Right. 
trans people playing trans roles. So we insist on that accuracy. Right. But then this, we just, oh, well, it's you fine. know, Jackie Chan can play Fidel Castro. It's fine. It's just fine. You can't have it both ways. You're right. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> I mean, I know I sound like my grandfather right now, <laughs> but it doesn't make sense to me. I can see that. And, and I, I like to think that people, okay, so let's, let's look at, I can only speak from a female's perspective. Women are not given the chances for being directors, being chief of cinematography. Sure. Yeah. They're not given those chances. Sure. If they were given those chances, they were put into the pool of, I'm interviewing X, Y, and Z for that, for that position. Mm-hmm. I would want to know that if I was that woman vying for that position, that I deserved that position, not because I'm female, that I got it. What kind of position are we talking about? Any position. Any position. Any position. So in the corporate world, anywhere, uh, anywhere. In a potato chip driver. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Good. Sure. So I. Not a problem. But I don't think that's how things go. No, it's not. Um, so I struggle a little bit with that. Although I have to tell you, I don't think I've gotten a lot of of. Uh, Paid positions for doing film criticism just well, because I'm female. <laughs> but but it has opened up a couple of other doors for it has. you. Yeah, it has. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand exactly what you're saying, and I agree with you completely. Right. But but when I'm watching a Christmas Carol and I see Bob Cratchit's wife played by an ac- African American actress, I'm out of the story. Yeah. I'm done. I'm like, no, that's not the way it was. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. So, you know, and again, you can't have this double standard either. No, you're, you're and, absolutely right. So has the pendulum just swung so far in two different directions that we just haven't figured out where, where we're supposed to be? Things are not settled, so we just go from one side to another? Well, that's right, because, you know, everyone, you know, everyone's real sensitive now, and we can't offend anyone. So we err on the, oh, okay, well, we're just going to let every, everything go, and it's a mess. It is a mess. It is a mess. Is there a movie that you would like to talk about that you think is a mess? A mess? We've got uh, five there's, opening. There's one that started out well, and boy, does it go off the rails. It goes off the rails spectacularly. Which one of the two that I'm looking at on my list here are you talking about? I'm looking at Go in the, Gone in the Night. <laughs> Gone in the Night uh, stars Winona Ryder, and she plays a woman who runs a... Um, Flower shop, a plant shop. I don't know what you would call a mm-hmm. calf. Mm-hmm. She's involved with a younger guy, uh, and you can tell that you know she's. I wouldn't say she's tolerating him, but there's something in the back of her mind that says this isn't going to last. Yeah. I mean, he's young, he's still uh, impulsive, he's still a bit immature, and she knows this. But you know, you get into something, and you just kind of roll with it. Roll with it until you can't anymore. And he decides they're going to go away for a weekend. Oh, romantic, uh, out in the middle of nowhere, Airbnb that he's rented, and this is going to be great. And she's like, oh, what the hell? So they go, and they go, and they get there, and when you know it, there's another couple already there at the Airbnb. Lo and behold, it appears, appears as though it was double booked. So the people who are there are gracious enough to let Kath and the boyfriend in. They spend the night, wake up in the morning. Kath's boyfriend has run off with the woman and the other couple, and she is left stunned. I wouldn't say she's bereft, but she's 
stunned. Pissed. Pissed, pissed. Knocked back on her heels. It, yeah, I mean, it just flummoxes her. Flummoxes her. Uh, her friends tell her she's better off. She knows she's better off. Sure. But there's something in the back of her head. It's like, you know, what What happened? What happened here? So she calls the owner of the Airbnb, played by Dylan. No, Dermot. Dermot. Gosh, darn it. <laughs> Dermot Mulrooney, not Dylan McDermott. Dermot Mulrooney. It's uh, right there. Right I know. There. I, you know, I, I, I can't read. Uh, he owns it. And she's like, can you give me the contact information for this woman? Because, I mean, he's like, I can't really do that, which is understandable. Right. It's against the Airbnb. Yeah, the I wouldn't want oath. that either. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. either. Uh, and she's cool with that. And they start to have a friendship that looks as though it might develop into something. And then... It does develop <clears throat> into something, doesn't it? It does. It does. <laughs> and then through flashbacks, we, we find out what really was happening that night and the background of it. And to a certain extent, I was there. Yeah. I was there. And then the third act rolls around. And this thing, wow. Wow. Spectacularly. Just jumps the rails. It's I, I, I was I was stunned by the turn it took because it could have gone in so many other d- different directions that would have been so much more meaningful. Yeah, I would. I agree with you. I I was enjoying the premise of it, and who hasn't rented an Airbnb? And whenever you rent an Airbnb, you think, oh, how's this going to go? Is it going to really look like the pictures that I saw right, online? Right, right. And you know what's going to happen? So this is like a premise that you. You can foresee happening. Sure. You know, and, and man, the creepy vibes from this other couple that were in there, you mm-hmm. know, the, the girl was like, hey, you know, go ahead and let him stay. And, and the guy's like, eh, oh, he's horrible. He's creepy and weird. Yeah, Owen Teague. Okay. Uh, who was in uh, yeah. Montana Story there with Haley Lou Richardson a few months back. Um, Completely great. different here. Yes, and a great movie, by the way, if yeah. you haven't seen that. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, it's, uh, it, it had a lot of potential. And. I think it was even before the third act. Toward the second act, things started to go like, are you really going to go here? Oh, my gosh, they are going to go here with this. Oh, no. It was disappointing. There was, a, there was a great film, a Danish film, called The Vanishing. Have you ever seen it? I think I have. And, that, and this is where I thought we were headed with this. The Vanishing, a uh, very similar couple. She disappears. They're at a rest, a rest stop, a gas station. She disappears. Okay. And he, of course, the guy... And he can, of course, get it out of his mind. And the guy who kidnapped her starts writing him letters like three years later. Oh, I haven't seen this then. Jesus God. Oh, okay. And he, of course, says, I don't want anything to do with this. But then, of course, the curiosity gets the better of him. Had this done something like that, she knows she he's no good for her. But still, right. she wants to find out what happened to him. And she, she goes and talks to this person. Goes and talks. If she had found out about him, and in finding out about him, finds out something about herself. Yeah. I, and, and then the relationship with, you know, Mulrooney mm-hmm. that could have developed. It just all could have been so, so much better. I think they just tried to, like, oh, my gosh, this has to be under 90 minutes, so let's just wrap everything up really fast. What can we do? I didn't mind do the 90-minute thing. No, no, I don't mind the 90-minute <laughs> thing right, either. But you're right. At the I end, think, it was. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. just, like, too many quick bows placed into that package. And then the last image, though, really stuck with me. <laughs> Because I was like, yeah, okay, I get where you, where you wanted to go here, but yeah, you got you there, there in the wrong, yeah. wrong way completely. Yeah. So I know this is playing in some theaters. I know it's actually playing over in Bloomington Normal. Okay. Uh, at the Marcus Cinemas there. And it's uh, available, uh, what, on VOD. I believe it is on VOD. On today, Friday. Yeah. So if you're a Winona Ryder fan, and she's good, but, you know, yeah, just, no. No. 
Nope, nope, I'd say skip that one yep. also. Um, you know, before we go to the next one, I want to talk about Gabby Gifford's Won't Back Down. I want to let everybody know that we are having a giveaway on our Facebook page. So go to our Facebook page, and we're doing a Baktivity Bagel Kit giveaway. Say that, say that again. <laughs> say that again. Baktivity Bagel Giveaway? Bagel kit giveaway. Bagel Bactivity kit, bagel, bagel kit, kit giveaway. giveaway. Okay, so this is like it's it's like a kid. Explain this to me. It's like a kid baking box, if you will. And you can do like subscriptions. You can buy one box. Okay. Or you can have a party and you say, I want all the kids to make cakes. And then all the, the supplies come in this little box with instructions and you go ahead and bake. So I, hold on, okay. I am going to get a bagel kit giveaway delivered to my house and I am snagging one of my friend's granddaughters and she's going to come over and we're going to test this little bagel kit giveaway okay. out and we'll let everybody know how it is but we're going to give one away in a couple of weeks. So do you know are these like real size bagels yes. or okay because I no, think they, kids I'm thinking smaller. Oh, well the picture made them look like they were Regular adult bagels. size bagels. And we're baking we're not boiling. I, I would imagine you have or to boil a little boil bit too time. because okay. that's what you do with bagels. And there's a pretzel one too. So you have to do that with pretzels as well. I'm going to assume you're you're going to video record them. Oh, you bet I am. Okay, yes. well, I, I'm anxious for this. Yeah, I'm, I like everything bagels, by the way. Oh, do. Just want to let you know that. Okay, <laughs> all right. I'll make sure that we right. we do. Clara, you and I are going to do one with everything in it, and, just and, for Uncle Chuck. And they sell that everything seasoning in a jar now. Oh, oh well, thank you for that information. No, it's <laughs> can really. I, where can I get a chuck? Uh, anywhere, anywhere <laughs> that sells, you know, fine uh, spices and and herbs. Uh, it's really good on chicken. Okay. Put it on chicken, okay. bake it. Okay. It's good stuff. All right, cool. Thank you for that little baking and cooking tip, Chuck Kaplinski. You're welcome. <laughs> so look at our Facebook page to see how to enter. But let's talk to about get the Baktivity bagel, bagel kit. kit giveaway. Yes. All right. Um, so Gabby Giffords won't back down. Um, wow, what a powerful documentary. It's from Betsy West and Julie Cohen. Um, and unfortunately, I, I had an interview with this wonderfully talented, dynamic duo of filmmakers that the record button didn't record the way it was supposed to. So you will. Because you're so old. Because <laughs> I'm so Technology. old. Technology. I'm just. So I was really gutted by this, I that I that it was a wonderful interview. And it's about Gabby Giffords, who was one of um, Arizona's uh, uh, senators. And she was the victim, the target, actually, of a mass shooting out in front of a Safeway grocery store. She was in the midst of talking with people in her community to find out how she could do better. Uh, what a vivacious, vibrant young woman who had the gift of really understanding two sides of a coin and being able to see both at the same time and bring it together. Um, and she was shot in the brain on the left-hand side and now suffers from uh, severe aphasia. Aphasia, for those of you who don't know this, this type of aphasia affects the left side of your brain and you are unable to communicate in the same way that you used to. Um, she has a hard time finding words. She has... Uh, um, a lot of communication issues, but her husband, who was an astronaut, who is now the senator of Arizona, um, uh, recorded her progress of recovery, which was incredible. He wholeheartedly knew that she was going to recover. Um, and throughout this documentary, we see her recovery process. We meet others that knew her on the Senate floor. Um, we hear Barack Obama. We talk to people who, um, we've just gone through every type of mass shooting. And just recently here in the Chicago area with the Hyde Park 
or Highland Park um, shooting on the 4th of July. It's, it's gut-wrenching to see um, the devastation that, that guns and mass killings um, have put our country into such turmoil. And this woman refuses truly to back down. She still stands strong. She still has a clear and powerful voice, which is the inspirational and hopeful part that I have, is that she, I think if anybody can bridge the gap and make a difference in our world, she's one of the pivotal people that can. It's also filled with humorous moments of life in looking back at times she and her husband and the word chicken. I will never be able to say the word chicken again without thinking of Gabby Giffords. So you you were you were not as inspired by this movie. I can see the look on your face. I alternated between weeping like a child and being unbelievably fucking angry. This movie was the last thing I needed to see right now. I'm sorry, Chuck. It is inspiring. I just see an incredibly talented woman almost ruined because of these fuckers who are in charge of the gun lobby. And I'm in a place right now where I do not see that changing. I hope I'm wrong. I pray that I'm wrong. But whenever I looked at her in that movie, all I wanted to do was either cry or scream. And I understand where you're coming from. I get it. But my reaction was completely different. Either way, whatever reaction you have, the movie should be seen. Because it should draw a reaction of some sort from you. I can't imagine it not drawing some sort of reaction. No, the ones that it doesn't draw a reaction to are the ones that you know. Yeah. You know, that fucker LaPierre in charge of the yes. NRA who's in this movie twice. And I had to walk out of the room at one point. Those cowards, those people without a conscience, it will not affect. And that's the problem. Betsy West, Julie Cohen um, gave us RBG from a few years ago, as well as Julia, uh, the story about Julia Child, and now has Gabby Giffords' Won't Back Down. I think it's a must-see for everyone, because I think we all need to feel and we need to do something based on those feelings. All right, deep breath. <laughs> let's go on to, let's go on to She Will. Let's go on to a horror movie from here that you didn't like and I did, which is just kind of crazy. It is odd. I mean, I, I, I thought that this would have been a great Twilight Zone episode. Oh, okay. 45 minutes, we're in, we're out. Right. This thing just, which for me was just such a slow slog. You know, because I, I knew what was going to happen, and I'm sure you knew what was yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, good horror films, uh, a lot of it has to do, of course, with atmosphere and creating that, that tone, uh, that, that uh, you know, that tone of the supernatural, uh, that creepy tone that you get where, you know, all you have to do is kind of look at it and it's kind of, you get the heebie-jeebies. And uh, the director here... Um, Charlotte. Charlotte Colbert. She does a great job with that. I mean, I, I felt I felt creeped out by this. Oh yeah. Uh, this is about a woman uh, named Veronica, played by Alice Krieg. You might not know the name, but when you see her, you'll say, "Oh yeah, yeah." Her. She's been in a lot of things. Uh, actress. She's just uh, she's trying to recover from a a double mastectomy. Yes. Yeah, double mastectomy, uh, and she's incredibly bitter and upset about this. Obviously, as an actress, very conscious of 
appearance and how you're going to be perceived. She's very upset. She's mad at the world about this. She takes it out on her poor nurse, uh, Lois, played by Amy Manson. Actually, I think it's Desi. Oh, it's Desi. That's yes. right. By Kurt Eberhardt. I'm looking at the wrong lady here. Uh, and they're going to a retreat of sorts. Someplace out in the middle of nowhere um, that uh, Veronica says they're going to have all to themselves. Well, they do not have it all to themselves. There's a uh, pompous painter who is there, and he's going to have a workshop in which you're going to get in touch with all your feelings through painting. Uh, there's some people who are fans of hers that uh, fawn over her. She wants nothing of this, and they find a little cabin away from everyone, and that's where Desi and Veronica go and stay. And they find out that on the grounds, this used to be a place where back in the Middle Ages, they would burn women, suspected of being witches, uh, or whatever other cockamamie thing that they could come up with to accuse women of, to have them as an excuse to burn them. And the story is, is that the ashes from these bodies have gotten into the soil, and the soil now has healing properties. And that's all I'm going to say at this point. Uh, Malcolm McDowell is in it as well as a film director, film director who worked with Veronica when she was much younger and uh, treated her as a Svengali, a protege, uh, but there was much, much more going on than there. Uh, he sexually abuses her, and this is something that she has never gotten over, and news has broke that they are doing a sequel to the movie that they had made so many years ago, and this brings all of this back to the forefront for I I liked the fact that there were parallel lines of, you know, this woman has developed cancer, has a double mastectomy, and she needs to heal from that. But even deeper than those wounds are the ones that she suffered from being under the tutelage sure. of this director. In, in her way, persecuted, yeah. just as these women had been as well. And, oh, and, completely. And I like that. The, the revenge motive in her mind as to what she would like to see happen to this man. And... Mm -hmm. Um, the powers that be within this this setting that she is this creepy. I really wish that they wouldn't make every every cabin in the woods a creepy setting because I love the cabin in a woods. I think it's so comforting and 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 then I watch a movie like that and it makes me think twice about a cabin in the woods. Um, I I enjoyed the storyline. Yes, I knew where it was going to go, but I liked where it went and I really enjoyed um, Coda Everhart's performance. She's very good. She was never so, seen her before. I never have either. She no. was just so natural and her reaction to this bitchy Veronica who was a prima donna, you know, in her worst case or her best case scenario, she was a prima donna and treated her pretty badly most of the way through mm -hmm. until there was this connection between the two right, of them. Right, they find that common so ground. So I, I really enjoyed the storyline and the parallel lines among all the, both of our main characters as well as the the pain and the hurt and the suffering that happened. I had no problem with the story. Okay. I enjoyed the story too. It's just that Charlotte Colbert, the director, I think she just got a bit too artsy at times. She was. And it just bogged down the story. It just was too slow to me. Okay. That, that's my objection to okay. it. The atmosphere okay. is great. I like the story, but it's just too slow. Okay. Right. So she will. You can find that on video on demand starting on the 15th as well. It's through IFC Midnight. And they've oh, always okay. got some interesting thoughtful, creepy stuff. It's they not do. the usual thing. No, it's not. They always, they take chances with their stuff. And they I do. like and that. And that's good. And I don't typically gravitate toward um, horror movies, but I'll give IFC Midnights it's a chance. It's not slasher stuff. They, no. It's, it, it'll make you think. Yeah. The good stuff. So um, don't make me go. 
Oh, is that what Don't make me do? go. No, we're going to wrap go. up with Miss Harris. Ah, okay. All right. Um, don't How many be... times did you say that when you were a kid? What? Don't make me don't go. Don't make me go. <laughs> I don't want to go. Don't make me go. So many times. And this is um, by uh, Hannah Marks is the director. And this is her third feature film. She's young. She's like my kid's age. She is a young girl who's got. She hate a... people like that. <laughs> young <laughs> overachievers. <laughs> no, Damn I, them. I, I admire her. I look at her like she would be my daughter. Very proud of the fact that she's been able to make it in a very male-dominated world. Um, thanks to Sundance Ignite, um, nice. they actually helped um, helped her, I believe, with her first feature film in order to get it off the ground. These were filmmakers that were under the oh. age of twenty or under the age of eighteen, and giving them some money and some help and guidance. So yeah, very looking, cool. I'm looking at her IMDb page. Uh, after everything in 2018, I've seen that film. Oh, have I? I like that movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is a talented young woman who uh, saw the script by Vera Herbert, Don't Make Me uh, Go, and she really connected to this because she's got a very special relationship with her father. This is a father, father-daughter movie. Um, stars John Cho as Max and Mia Isaac as Wally, the daughter. Um, Max is diagnosed with a, a terminal brain tumor. Um, he realizes his ha- headaches are not caused by his rebellious teenage daughter, but there's actually a reason for it. He does not want to tell his daughter that he is going to die within the next year um, because there's no one that Wally can go with. She doesn't have her mom in the picture. That's a whole nother story that is addressed later on in the film. So Max says, what can I do to teach my daughter everything that she needs to know in the next year before I'm out of the picture? So they road trip it. And there's a reason for the road trip that I'm not going to divulge. Um, I want you to experience that. And the two travel um, from their hometown down to Louisiana and make a few stops along the way. And Wally does some typical teenage stuff as she leaves her boyfriend behind who really is just using her. So she's she's dealing with a lot of issues with boyfriends and being a typical mm-hmm. teen. And dad's figuring out how to die gracefully and not upset his daughter. Um, together, they really learn about one another. And there's some twists and turns in this road that you don't expect. You will laugh. You will cry. It will pull on your heartstrings. And it will really make you cherish your relationship with your parent. And we can see that. We can see that on Amazon Prime beginning Friday, June, July 15th. I'm still in June. Yeah. You, you just said, um, what can I teach her before I die? And that reminded me of the old Michael Keaton movie. Remember it? What one? My Life. No. Yeah, My Life. He's married to Nicole Kidman. Okay. Uh, kid's real young or going to be born. Okay. And he starts a video diary of this is what you do, this is what you don't, this is what you know, trying okay. to leave that behind. Yeah. It's not a comedy. You're smiling. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. This, this has a lot of comedic moments. And one of them is um, dad's, the only way dad is, is going to be able to bribe his daughter to go on this trip with him because she doesn't want to go. I mean, what teenager wants to go on a road trip with her father, you know, mm-hmm. is to say, I'll let you drive. I will teach you to drive. Ah, there we go. Okay. Um, and so she's learning to drive. And one of the lines that comes out from John Cho's character of Max is, never close your eyes when you're behind the That's wheel. Right. That's right. <laughs> um, my interview with uh, uh, Mia and with Hannah, the director, is a lot of fun. And it talks about that particular scene because they filmed it in New Zealand. Oh, neat. Where they drive on, on the, the other, other side. side of the road. And it road and it's illegal to have... 
a car with a steering wheel on what right, we right, call right. the proper side. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so um, just a really, this this young girl, Mia, just really fills the screen. I've never seen her in anything. This is her first feature mm -hmm. film. She just, she just encapsulates everything and just shines like you would not believe in this movie. Good deal. I really, it's truly one of my favorite movies of the year so far. Good deal. Yep. So there's that. So let's go to Paris, shall we? Yeah, it's time. It's time. Chuck's got some bones to pick with Aww, Pam. Chucky. Uh, we'll talk about this, and then we might even have some time to talk about a couple of TV shows we're watching oh, as okay. well. So yeah, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris is based on a, a novel written 1958 by Paul Gallico. It is the first of four novels oh, featuring, <laughs> featuring the Mrs. Harris character. This was made into a TV film in the 90s with uh, Angela Lansbury. Oh, and I Omar, her Omar Sharif. Okay. Uh, I was pretty much clueless about this completely going into this film. It stars um, Leslie Manville, who we all remember from The Phantom Thread uh, as uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's sister, as Mrs. Harris. And Mrs. Harris, boy, she's she's got had a rough time, but her she's a widow. Her husband died during World War II. She's in England. She works as a... A maid, basically. Mm -hmm. She goes to various houses, uh, you know, of the upper crust uh, and cleans for them and maybe dons some clothes for them and stuff like that. And uh, she just kind of struggles along. And uh, she's got some friends who are, you know, of the lower class as well. Jason Isaacs is, is really good here. He's a good friend of his who works at hers at, at a uh, racetrack. Uh, and one day, while she's cleaning at one of these uh, houses, she sees a dress, a dress that's in this closet, and this snooty woman she works for says that, well, this is for my daughter, and it's from Dior. And this Smith, Miss Harris is smitten. She wants a dress from Dior. That's her goal now in life. So she scrimps, and she saves, and she takes odd jobs, and she bets on horses she shouldn't, and, and all these things, and it doesn't work out until it does. Fate shines on her, smiles on her, and one thing after another happens to her, and before you know it, she has the money. And she can go to Paris, and she flies over, and she thinks she can just fly over, buy the dress, and just fly right back, but of course that's not the way it works. And her getting into the House of Dior, where they are uh, premiering their, their fall line, is quite funny, I thought. And she's uh, befriended by an older widower who helps her out as far as pointing out how everything goes during the show. And um, she's got enough money to buy, buy a dress. But she finds out she's got to stay for a week because there's fittings and all those things. And then other things ensue. This movie, this movie was so sweet. So absolutely, positively sweet. It was the movie that I needed right now because it's all about... The golden rule. We hear about this all the time. If you treat others well, they're going to treat you well. And Mrs. Harris has been doing what she's supposed to be doing her entire life. And fate and karma, in the end, gives her what she deserves. And in her doing what she does, she inspires other people to do kind things as well. It's such a simple message. Yet we need that message now. And Manville is just so good in this film. She just, you know, you, you feel for her every step of the way. You're hoping for her because what she wants, it's not that much. It's not that much to ask. And her getting that dress, I felt like I was getting the dress. You and look beautiful in it. Chuck. Those dresses are great. <laughs> they were really great. Were. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of good humor, but more than anything, a lot of good feeling. 
and that's what I needed, and that's what I got from Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. It's cute, it's quirky, it's charming, which are words that have been used before by another movie (laughs) or by another critic about other movies. And yet, for some odd reason, Pam Powell did not like this movie. I didn't. You know, it's interesting. In reading people's reviews, I'm seeing the male critics enjoying Mm -hmm. it so much more than the female critics. Isn't that interesting? What does that have to do with anything? I, I just wonder if there's just like a gender disparity okay, between so from perception. A, so from a female point of view, yeah. what's wrong with this movie? Um, the characters are so one-dimensional, and Leslie Manville's character never earns the sweetness card. Like when she no, goes, <laughs> when she goes to the Dior factory, if you will, because it is a factory. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, everyone loves her immediately. She's done nothing but enter the room, and she gets a standing ovation. It's because she's disrupting the process. You know, they're all, they're all. Before that, before she disrupts the process, it's just walking in there. It's before she goes into Dior's office. Right, but be, but they know about her. I mean, word has spread that she's this modest woman who just wants this dress. I mean, you see the models talking about her uh, before they even go out. I mean, she becomes a symbol. By the way, trending at ninety percent positive on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, that's 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 all. It, it felt very one-dimensional to me, and I felt like the that she didn't earn. Mm. what she was how she was treated it was just it, it glossed over too much and i and i love isabella hubert who was in this movie as well she played the initial villain um and she too was very one-dimensional it just seemed i was i was frustrated by it and i it wasn't it wasn't Phantom of the Open. That was quirky. Oh. That was quirky and charming to me. That's what Chuck is referring to. But it just it didn't have any sense of reality to it whatsoever. Do I need reality all the time? No, there's got to be I mean, something. I, I guess if you want to just throw everything out the window and not be connected, because I wasn't connected to this movie at all. Not even through a wish fulfillment type of thing? No. Mm. So we would love to hear what you think. Please watch Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. And then make sure you comment on our Facebook page as to how long you lasted or if you agree with Chuck and you're in Chuck's corner and you loved it. Because it seems like everybody loved it. Except you. (laughs) Except you. But that's okay. I am willing to sit here and be wrong. That's fine. And say what I really think. I'm not going to jump on a bandwagon just because everybody is up, up there with a tuba. I have a clarinet, and I'm going to play my own Good for you. Good for you. (laughs) Tubas often drowned out the clarinet, so that's good. (laughs) This is so true. Uh I totally Uh feel that. (laughs) So, um, only murders in the building. Yeah. I'm enjoying the second season much more than the first. It's better. It is better. Pacing is better. Story is better. And I'm going to be real honest with you. That first season, towards the end, I was confused. Okay. I kind of lost the thread as to why people were doing what they were doing, and I kind of lost it. Okay. Uh, this one, though, man, it just picks up and it runs, and it's so intriguing. Uh, if you haven't watched the show, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez, at the end of season one, they have solved a murder that occurred in the building. Well, then they are accused of killing the uh, bunny folder. Bunny, but what is, how, what is she? She's like uh, over. She, She's the HOA president. HOH president. Yeah. And of course, all these machinations are going on behind the scenes we don't know about. And they've got to prove their innocence by finding out 
who killed Bunny. And we find out so much more about the characters this yes. time. And I think that's what I liked about yeah. I, I'm liking about it. And also the fact that Steve Martin, who's one of the writers here, I think he's the sole writer, he gives Martin Short at least one laugh-out-loud moment in every episode. Oh, yeah. Every episode. And I am enjoying this one much more, and I'm completely taken by it. Yeah, I, I think the pacing is so much better. It the is. cohesiveness. There were, um, how many episodes were in the first one? Eight. Eight. And they're so, only about a half hour. Yeah, they're quick. So it moves. Um, but the in the first season, there were two or three that were like, oh, nothing much really Filler. happened here. Yeah, you know? I'm with you. But this time, I, I don't know what's available to see for the general we're up public. To, we're up to four. We're halfway through. Okay, all right. So I'm just missing the finale right now, and mm-hmm. I can't wait to see it. So, good. I'm glad you're enjoying it as much as I am. Yeah, at so. the end of four, we get a big little twist there. Someone from the first season pops up okay. again. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I can't recommend it enough. It's on Hulu. Uh, the other movie that we're both watching right now, not movie, but series that we're watching right now, is on Apple. Apple. <laughs> and the name of that is, like, escaping my head Blackbird. right now. Blackbird, thank you. And it has local connections. Incredible local connections. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the, within the first five or ten minutes of the movie, we hear Kankakee, which is where I live near and which is where you grew up. Right, right. and then also uh, the murders, uh, something that deals with a serial killer, uh, take place in Georgetown, which is just south of Westville, uh, south of Danville oh, okay. uh, from here. Okay. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, this has a lot of local connections. It took place back in the 90s. Okay. All right. So a little bit younger than you and your brother would have graduated with this Maybe. guy? Maybe. I need to talk to him about this. But yeah, uh, guy was a uh, star football player apparently at uh, one of the Kankakee high schools. Jimmy Keene. Jimmy Keene. And what, you know, what a what a football player name. What a quarterback know, right? name that is. Uh, Jimmy is played by... Uh, Taryn Edgerton. Taryn Edgerton. And Oof. what, yeah, what did you say about him? Oof, he got beefed up for this role. He sure did. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> um, yeah, he's uh, he is arrested. He's a drug dealer, and mm-hmm. he is arrested. And um, he thinks he's going to get off because Daddy was a police chief, and realizes Ooh. that he's not going to get off. So he's put behind bars. And Daddy is uh, Ray Liotta, oh one of gosh. his one of his final performances. I love him. Um, you know, and I read an article with Edgerton, and he revealed that he was sick during that. Oh, and you can tell. I mean, well, when, as you sickly, as you watch yeah. the remaining episodes, yeah, he said he we all knew he wasn't up to up to Aww. par. So you can but see that. But what a performance! Well, yeah, and it feeds right into the performance. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Taryn Edgerton's character is put behind bars, and he's got no hope of getting out for ten years. But he's approached by the FBI because there is a serial killer slash serial confessor mm-hmm. larry that, hall larry hall played by paul walter walter hauser mm-hmm. he's got a hard name to remember for he some does. reason um but not a hard face to remember he plays similar characters he was in i tanya he was in richard jewell richard jewell incredible actor good actor and, and he, also uh cruella oh yeah that's right yeah, yeah yeah he was um great performer and um I'm only on episode number two. I that's just all finished. that's out. Oh, okay. That's okay. all that's out. Yeah, the FBI comes to uh, Jimmy and says, tell you what, we need some information. We're going to throw you in the same jail as Larry here, and you need to find out where one of the bodies is that we're looking for. You need to have him tell you that. He thinks he has time, but suddenly at the end of episode two, we find out 
He's got like 30 days. Oh, I'm not quite there yet. Oh, okay. th- yeah, okay. yeah. The okay. clock starts ticking. Okay. Uh, there's some reason I'm going to have to re-familiarize re- re- myself, but suddenly he's got to get this very quickly. And, of course, gaining someone's trust and ingratiating yourself takes time. So uh, that's going to be a little thorny for him. Greg Kinnear's in this as well. I love him, too. I do, too. And he's really subdued here. Yeah. You don't see him like that. Yeah, but he plays Brian Miller, and this is the guy who tracks down Larry, and uh, it, it starts to bother him because he has a daughter about the age of the kids that Larry is accused of and did, in fact, kill. So it's really gotten under his skin. Uh, person I had to look up, Sepeda hmm. uh, Mofe. She plays Lauren. Yeah. Did you look her up? I didn't, but she looks familiar to me. The, uh, the Killing of Two Lovers. Oh, that's so She good. looks familiar to me, yeah. too. And I'm like, oh, where is it? it and was her that. name sounded familiar, too, but I couldn't so place odd. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Blackbird's only four, uh, six episodes. There's four to go. Okay. So you can catch up real quick. Uh, it's a little bit of a slow burn, but I'm into it. Oh, I, I really enjoyed it so far. And Jimmy Keene, the real Jimmy Keene, is the producer on this show. Yes. Um, and he's also a part of a either TV series or a movie called Buried. And I wonder if it's if it's about the governor mm. in Kankakee mm-hmm. that was buried alive. Mm-hmm. Yep, small. Yeah, Governor Small. I remember small. that. That's, a, oh that's a story for another time. That is. That is. Tragic, tragic story. Yeah. Um, I think that pretty much wraps it up. We had a lot to cover this week. We will be gone next week. Yes, I'm on vacation. Return the following week. Make sure you take a look at our Facebook page in the meantime to act, to enter for our Baketivity Bagel Kit giveaway. Wow, you, that just rolls I off know. your tongue. Look at you. I practice. Look at that. Um, and check out our reviews on realtalkwithchuckandpam.com. Um, and thanks for listening. See you soon.